Christ according to Luke. And on one occasion when Jesus was and on one occasion when Jesus was going to the house of a leader on the, of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. And when he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you're invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. And then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And Jesus said also to the one who had invited him, who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. And so, Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we pray that we would hear not just the words of men, but the words of God. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I want to take a portion of that as my text this morning from Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 1 and 7 through 11. If you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 1038. Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, and beginning at verse 1. In fact, I, I just want to take a portion of that, so I want you to look at it again. Luke, chapter 14, and beginning at verse 1. A little bit different in the ESV. And Luke writes, on one Sabbath, when Jesus went to dine in the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. In verse 7, notice. Now Jesus told a parable to those who were invited, and when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you're invited to someone, by someone to a wedding feast... Don't sit down in the place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. And then you will be honored in the presence of all those who sit at the table with you. And here's the point, verse 11, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This morning I want to talk about humility's reward. Humility's reward. It was Mac Davis who sang several decades ago, Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. And it's hard for some people to be humble 
both inside and outside of the church, unfortunately, because of the high opinion that they have about themselves. But in the Scriptures, humility is the way of wisdom and the way of the kingdom in the New Testament. Indeed, in the Scriptures, humility is the way of Christ and therefore the way of the true disciple of Jesus Christ. And so in our text, uh, Luke tells us that on one Sabbath day, and that's significant, in fact, if you looked at verses four, 2 through 6, which is not, a part of our, is not a part of our text, this morning Jesus actually healed a man at that Pharisee's home, and it was the Sabbath day, and that was a great point of contention between Jesus and his enemies. But anyway, on one day, Jesus went to dine in the house of this uh, ruler of the Pharisees. He was, their, he was their leader, and they were Pharisees too. And they were watching him carefully. That's what Luke wants us to remember as well. They're watching him. That is, they were watching Jesus in hopes of maybe catching him, doing something contrary to their tradition. That they might establish some ground on which they might accuse Jesus, bring charges against him for having done something wrong. Someone has described this situation as an act of hospitality with malicious intent. <laughs> What's interesting is that while they're watching Jesus, Jesus is also watching them. There's a lot of watching going on. And so Luke says in verse 7, And Jesus told a parable to those who were invited, all the guests there at this chief Pharisee's home, when he noticed how they chose the places of honor as they were gathering around the table. That is, the places around the table that were positioned closest to the place where the host, the, the man of honor, uh, would recline in the Eastern tradition. The word here in English is sit which can also be taken to recline, and that's exactly what they were doing. They would all recline around a low table in the Middle Eastern tradition in the first century. They would all lay uh, down with their head close to the table, their feet out away from the table, leaning on their left arm and reaching over to the food and feeding themselves with their right hand. Tall tables and tall chairs and silverware would come many centuries later. And so Luke says that uh, Jesus told a parable to those who were invited to the dinner, saying to them in verse 8, when you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, and the word wedding feast can be taken as wedding feast or just a general, a banquet, a, some sort of a dinner, don't sit or, as the case may be, recline in the places of honor. Lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by your host, and then he who invited both of you will come and say to you, give your, give your place to this person. And then you'll begin with shame or embarrassment, disgrace, can you imagine? Especially to the person who's trying to jockey for position anyway. These are the people that are always getting their, their nose bent out of shape. In fact, if you want to know how proud you are, ask yourself how often you're offended. That's a great measurement for pride. Because pride is often offended. But then you will begin with shame and embarrassment to take the lowest place. That is the place of least importance. Or whatever space is left at that point, depending on when it was 
that the host came and told you, <laughs> move to the other place. But Jesus says instead, verse 10, instead of that, don't do that. Instead, when you're invited, go and sit in the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, that, no, 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 come and dine closer to me. I want to be able to see you. I want to maybe chat with you. I have some things I wanted to talk to you about. And I want others to hear your answers as well. And Jesus says, and then you will be honored in the presence of all those who sit at table with you. And then in verse 11, Jesus says, for or because, and, and this is the kingdom principle. Indeed, Jesus isn't just offering sound advice. He, he's, he's, he's not describing, uh, this is not Emily Post or whoever, whoever else now is, is determining what the proper customs and etiquettes are. He's not talking about table etiquette or how to behave yourself well at a party. He's talking about the kingdom. This is a kingdom parable, notwithstanding its immediate um, application in the circumstance in which he's telling it. This is a kingdom parable in which Jesus is describing how what we do now in this age will affect how things go for us in the age to come. And so Jesus says, for everyone who exalts himself, not just at banquet, but in any circumstance, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so humility is the way of the kingdom. Indeed, indeed Jesus talks about this rather frequently. We'd be here half the morning, making reference to everything. But a couple came to my mind. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3 in the famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed! <laughs> Blessed are you if you're poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. Humble. He also refers to the meek in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit that is the humble, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To whom does the kingdom of heaven belong? To the humble. In fact, when you come to the 18th chapter of Matthew, Jesus goes into a little more detail and makes an illustration. In fact, were, people were bringing children to Jesus, and uh, he said, let the children come to me, and he took a child. In fact, he got rather upset with the disciples because people wanted, oh, would the, would the master touch our Bobby? Well, maybe it wouldn't be Bobby. Uh, Jacob. <laughs> Well, the master, no, 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 he hasn't had time for that. He's good, good, good. And Jesus said, let the children come. Let the children come. And then he took one in his arms, Matthew 18 and beginning at verse 3. And he said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, that is humble and unassuming. Indeed, it was uh, Tim Keller who described humility as blessed forgetfulness. <laughs> This gets back to the issue of being offended or not offended. Humble people, like, they'll just, sometimes you'll say something that other people would think is offensive, and they kind of go, huh, that was a good one. Because they don't take themselves that very seriously. <laughs> they take God seriously, but not themselves. Blessed self-forgetfulness. Or Ken Blanchard in his 
book from years ago called Leadership Smarts. He says this about the humble. He said, people with humility don't think less of themselves like, oh, woe is me. That's false humility, which is a form of pride. <laughs> it's humility to get something done for yourself. False humility. But Blanchard says, people with humility don't think less of themselves. They just think of themselves less. <laughs> Blessed self-forgetfulness. So Jesus says in Matthew 18, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. How about that? Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But here, unless, you're, unless you turn and become like a child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he says in verse 4, And whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so humility is the way of the kingdom. And humility is the way of the apostles. Jesus is talking this way for three years. All of his apostles are hearing this over and over, although they're constantly struggling with it. They're constantly trying themselves to vie. You remember that the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus because she was part of the apostolic band. She's there. And um, she says, uh, Master, I want you to do something for my sons. What do you want me to do? I want you to appoint James and John to sit on your left and your right hand. To the left, to the left and the right, there's no better, no higher place than that. He is the, he is the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the guest at, of honor at the banquet. And to be on the right and the left is, to, is the highest places of honor. And of course, Jesus said, that's not for me to give, etc., etc." But they learned it eventually. Indeed, they were really humbled when none of them stood by Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, even after they, they pledged to him undying loyalty. Not least of which Peter, who denied that he even knew who Jesus was in the hour when he needed a friend most. So they learned humility. And so when Peter wrote to the community to which he was writing in 1 Peter chapter 5, this is what he said, beginning at verse 5, clothe yourselves, all of you, not just some, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Some of you, well, I know who God is, but these people are annoying me. No, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. In fact, the humble know something that the proud don't. Humble people know that they're a great deal more like the people that might annoy them than they're not like them. In fact, my observation is, is that people that are really alike, they generally can't stand each other. <laughs> and they're very proud. But Peter the Apostle says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Now listen, for God opposes the proud. Listen, that's the last thing you need, is God being in opposition to you. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then verse 6 and humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourselves with each other, horizontally. Humble yourselves vertically. Be humble with others. Be humble before God. 
Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. <laughs> at the proper time. It may not come tomorrow. It may not come next week. It may not come next year. But it's coming. And when it comes, it will be the proper time. It's interesting that the early church devoted themselves to these things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In fact, Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, also wrote the Acts of the Apostles. And in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, he describes, this, describes the earliest church in this way. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And what do the apostles teach? Humble yourselves. <laughs> In fact, in our own baptismal covenant, every time we, when, when, when we were baptized and whenever we do a baptism, we all renew our baptismal, baptismal covenant together. And, 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 and what is the question that's posed to us? And will you continue in the apostles' teaching? And we all respond, I will with God's help. <laughs> I can't wait to be humble. And so humility is the way of the apostles. Finally, humility is the way of Christ. And therefore, since it's the way of Christ, it's the way of the true disciple. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. Follow in my ways. Indeed, anyone who's not willing to deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, is not worthy of me. And on and on, Jesus talked in such language. I'm the rabbi. You're the student. I'm the Lord. You're the servant. Follow me. Even though the Lord serves us and models for us what this all looks like. Well, Lord, what does humility look like? Look at the cross. I didn't die for my sins. I died for yours. That's humility. The night, I was the night that I was betrayed, none of you wanted to wash your feet because you all thought that was slaves' work. So I took off my outer garment and I wrapped a towel around my waist and I washed your feet. Was I humiliated? No, I'm God. This is what God does. There's no one more humble than God. Would you put up with what God puts up with? He gives you life and breath and everything that you have. Strength and brains to go to school and, and, and do your job and bring in the money and buy the vacation home and whatever it is that you do. It's all a gift from God. In fact, think of the things that lead to all of that and if you didn't have it, would you have it? We owe Him everything and who thanks Him? The only time we make a reference, most people make reference to God is when something goes wrong and we blame Him. <laughs> we don't thank God. We accuse God. But He keeps on blessing. He keeps on blessing. But humility is the way of Christ and therefore the way of true discipleship. When Paul was writing to the believers at Philippi. He wrote famously in his, the second chapter of his letter to the Philippians. In Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 5. Have this mind amongst yourselves. Have this attitude in your congregation, in your house church in Philippi. In the house churches in Philippi. Have this attitude amongst yourselves at Holy Cross Church Sugarland. 
Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. If we're in Christ Jesus, his mind should be our mind. <laughs> Have this mind or this attitude among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped? Here's God come in the flesh. When do you ever see him pulling rank and saying, listen, I, I'm rather offended by that. Don't you know who I am? In fact, I read a funny story. A plane canceled at the airport and one particular man, then the woman was working at the desk there trying to get all these people onto another flight and so on and so forth. And one, one man was just irate and he broke through the line and went up there and said, I've got to have a flight now and it's got to be first class. She said, well, sir, I'm doing the very best that I can and so forth. And then he said, don't you know who I am? And then she got on the little, little walkie-talkie and she said, excuse me, there's a man up here who doesn't know who he is. And if anybody can help me with his identity, please come to the front of the line. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, really, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. We might almost say that Jesus didn't take himself too seriously, even though he's God come in the flesh. He wept over Lazarus' death. He had a conversation with a woman at the well in Samaria with whom nobody else would converse. And to him it was the most important thing that he was doing at that very moment. Is having a conversation with this outcast. On and on and on and the leper comes and says, Lord, if you're willing, I could be made clean. And contrary to tradition and law, he reaches out and touches the man who hadn't been touched in years. Because he cares for lepers. Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He emptied himself. Kenosis, the emptying. I lo I've always loved it. I've spent a lot of time with the King James Bible. <laughs> Perhaps my favorite. And the way it's translated in the King James, he made himself of no reputation. <laughs> we want people to know who we are, you know. Titles. I've been in situations like that and I just put the man's name and I got a telephone call. He wanted me to be sure to list his title, I guess, so everybody in the church would know who he was. I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> I, we need a bigger vision of God and our vision of ourselves will become smaller and more healthy and we'll be a lot happier. He wasn't full of himself, he emptied himself. 
He emptied himself by taking the form of a doulos. We have it in the New Test, in the English, often as servant. It means slave. He emptied himself, taking upon himself the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death, even death on the cross. I mean, Paul knows. It's very interesting. No, you, you don't get any detailed descriptions of crucifixion in the, in the New Testament. It's too troubling. And everybody in the, in, living in the Roman Empire in the first century knew what it was. They didn't need to be reminded. In fact, they didn't want to be reminded. A simple reference will do, thank you very much. But Jesus obeys the will of the Father to the point of death, even to the point of the worst kind of death, you could possibly die. And humility and obedience always go together, just like pride and disobedience always go together. I don't have to obey God. In fact, I'm going to rethink God, and I'm going to rewrite things. And I'm going to give reasons for why, even though it says in the scriptures, or the apostles say you should do this, I'm doing something else. And I deserve it. That's pride. And people stay angry like that often. But being found in human form, he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Verse 9, and therefore... And therefore God has highly exalted him. Jesus said this. You want to be great? The greatest of you will be the slave of everyone. When God says to Isaiah, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. When you're walking in the flesh and not in the spirit, you can pretty much count on the fact that what you're thinking and what you want to do is contrary to his will. No matter how justified you may feel, it's a pretty good guess. And so Jesus says that you want to go up, the way up is the way down. You want to be filled up, the way to be filled up is is to empty yourself. You want to be exalted, the way to be exalted is to live in humility and freedom. And therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Isn't it interesting in the, the story of the Tower of Babel? What is that, the 10th chapter of Genesis, if memory serves? The 11th chapter? And they said, let's build a tower that reaches to the heavens so we can make a name for ourselves. Do you remember their names? I don't remember their names. You can make a name for yourself or God will make a name for you. And therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so... It's just as Jesus said, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Someone has written, just imagine how different life would be for you if God was as big as your ego. (laughs) Isn't that great? 
And it was Charles Swindoll who said, we take ourselves too seriously and God not seriously enough. Which perhaps begs the question, indeed, what's more important to you in your life? You or God? Humility's reward. Let us pray. The great thing, Lord, that uh, we struggle with is that uh, what you tell us to do that we might be free sounds uh, so uh, confining and uh, so limiting. But then again, we're right back to my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. And so we just work in the world in which we find ourselves where everybody's stepping on somebody. Everybody's getting offended. Somebody's, we can, if you don't do it for yourself, if you don't look, and we're all a mess. And you tell us just to release it. To walk in the way of the Son with whom you're well pleased. To walk in his way. The one who said, uh, I lay my life down of my own accord and no one takes it from me. Indeed, I'm going to give up my life and then I'm going to take it up again when I'm finished doing what I came to do. Help us, Lord, to think about that. To think about the power of humility, the freedom of it, and, and the opportunity, indeed the privilege through humility, to act like Him, to act like you. Not just to be the beneficiary of things that you're dispensing and giving, but, and, and so be the recipient of God, but be to, to be the imitator of God, to be like you. Give us a vision for that, Lord. What would our congregation or any congregation in this city or in this state or in this country or any other country, what, what, what transformation would take place if all of us were pursuing that for our individual benefit and the benefit of everyone around us? Help us to do it, Lord, that humility's reward might be ours, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.